Hi everyone, it's Dr. Cassie. Thank you for joining us for this podcast, sponsored in part by DECRA, where we'll be hearing from Dr. Darren Dell about multimodal treatment of atopy, a particularly challenging subject, especially if you practice somewhere warm and humid like I do. In this podcast, Dr. Dell reviews key facts about canine atopic dermatitis, discusses current treatment options, including multimodal therapy options, and talks about how to implement each therapy option and set client expectations appropriately. Guys, I found his information so practical and so useful to everyday practice. So now that I have you on the edge of your seat, let me tell you a little bit more about my guest. Dr. Dell completed two years of undergraduate studies, you heard that right, two years at Iowa State University before being accepted to the University of Illinois College of Veterinary Medicine in 1997. He graduated with honors from the University of Illinois in 2001. Dr. Dell's love of dermatology began while still in vet school when he adopted a rough-coated collie named Drifter who had food allergies. Dr. Dell worked in small animal general practice as well as emergency medicine before beginning his residency with Animal Dermatology Clinic. He became a diplomate of the American College of Veterinary Dermatology in 2012. Okay, I won't keep you in suspense anymore. Let me turn it over to Dr. Dell. Dr. Dell, welcome. Good morning, and thank you, Dr. Cassie, for the excellent introduction. And thank you for joining me. I'm going to be speaking about multimodal treatment of canine atopy today. This is an important topic because all of your allergy patients will benefit from multimodal therapy. The ACVD Task Force on Allergic Dermatitis recommends multimodal therapy because intervening in the disease process at multiple points allows for more consistent control despite changing weather and seasons. Before we discuss multimodal treatment of atopy, we have to discuss atopy at least a little bit. As a reminder, the diagnosis of atopy is one of exclusion. That means the veterinarian has to rule out other problems that could cause similar symptoms first. In some cases, this is very easy, perhaps only requiring a thorough history, flea combing, skin cytology, and skin scrape. However, other cases require a more rigorous diagnostic database that may include a prescription food trial, complete blood count, chemistry panel, urinalysis, thyroid profile, bacterial culture, or even biopsy. As with any medical condition, starting with the proper diagnosis is crucial for success. In recent years, multiple scientific articles have been published studying the clinical signs of allergic dermatitis. By evaluating large numbers of dogs with allergic and non-allergic skin disease, researchers have come up with helpful guidelines. For example, atopic dogs typically present, at least initially, with only pruritus and erythema. Sometimes papules are present too. Disease is usually focused on the face, concave aspects of the pinna, inguinal region, axilla, and distal extremities. Disease is usually focused on the face, concave aspects of the pinna, inguinal region, axilla, and distal extremities. Keep in mind that researchers have also proven breed-specific symptoms of allergic dermatitis. This probably makes sense if you think of your last allergic bulldog patient compared to your most recent allergic Labrador. Regardless of the breed, you can use a list of criteria to increase or decrease your suspicion for atopic dermatitis. These criteria were developed by Dr. Favreau. The more criteria that matched your patient, the more likely atopy is. The list of criteria are, number one, age of onset less than three years. Number two, mostly indoor. Number three, a-lesional pruritus at the onset. Number four, affected front paws. Number five, affected pinna. Number six, non-affected pinnal margins. And number seven, non-affected dorsal lumbar region. I'm sure you're itching to hear about treatment options, but before we discuss allergy therapy, I want to give you a couple key talking points 
about atopy in dogs. These will help you discuss atopy with your clients. Number one, atopic dermatitis is a genetically predisposed condition that results in a defective epidermal barrier and allergen hypersensitivity. Environmental factors also contribute to the disease. Number two, unlike people, dogs are exposed to allergens like pollen and dust across their skin. Inhaling allergens plays a minor role. Number three, because exposure is topical and not inhalant, limiting a dog's time outside is not usually beneficial. When an allergic person comes inside during their allergy season, they escape from the cloud of pollen that bothers them. Dogs typically bring that pollen inside with them because it sticks to their skin and fur. Number four, checking pollen levels can help your clients understand trends, but isn't as helpful for dogs as it is for people. Pollen counts that you see online or on the TV news are measured in the air, which provides useful advice for people. However, all that pollen eventually falls to the ground where our canine patients come in contact with it. In other words, pollens continue to bother our canines long after they are no longer measured in the air. Number five, after skin exposure to allergens, a complex path of inflammation is triggered. Effects are manifested both near and far. Itch-inducing cytokines have become a big talking point, and they are important because our clients often present their dogs for itching. However, I want to point out a key local effect. Allergen exposure causes local inflammation, which weakens the skin barrier further and allows more allergen exposure. This is a vicious cycle, and it is one reason why preventing flares is so much easier than suppressing flares. Now that you've survived the introduction to atopy, let's move on to treatment protocols. I like to break allergy therapy down into three categories, core therapy, topical therapy, and adjunct therapy. Most dogs need core therapy and topical therapy. Some severe cases need core therapy, topical therapy, and one or more adjunct therapies. Very severe cases require a combination of core therapies in addition to topical and adjunct treatments. Core therapy includes allergy testing followed by immunotherapy, as well as oclocitinib or Apoquil, cyclosporin, Lokivetmab or Cytopoint, and steroids. Topical therapy includes antimicrobial treatments such as chlorhexidine and myconazole, products to rebuild the skin barrier such as ceramides and phytosphingosine, and medications to locally suppress itching such as permoxine and hydrocortisone. Adjunct treatments include antihistamines, omega-3 fatty acids, and retinol ultra. I want to start by talking about core therapies. These are the treatments that everyone knows and most people think of as the allergy pill or the allergy shot. Oclocitinib, cyclosporin, lokivetmab, and steroids each have unique advantages and disadvantages. We'll look at each in turn. By now, everyone is familiar with oclocitinib or Apoquil. Oclocitinib is a JAK-STAT inhibitor that blocks the function of certain cytokines. Oclocitinib's target cytokine and the one most involved in itching is IL-31. Other cytokines that can be impacted include IL-4 and IL-13. Because of the mechanism of action, oclocitinib is very effective at stopping itching and usually provides relief as quickly as steroids. A unique benefit of oclocitinib compared to other products is that it can be started and stopped at the owner's discretion at home. A positive response to oclocitinib is often seen within six hours of administration. This is helpful for dogs that are not affected by atopy all year long. Oclocitinib is essentially gone from the body in 24 hours with no residual effect. This is helpful if you want to better define the dog's allergy season or just reassure an owner who is concerned that the medication might build up in their pet's body. Cyclosporin is a completely different product than either oclocitinib or lokivetmab. Cyclosporin is an immune modulatory drug aimed at suppressing T cells and inhibiting IL-2. 
Because of how cyclosporin works, I often find it the best drug choice for treating allergic otitis, blepharitis, and interdigital cysts. There are a couple essential facts to remember when prescribing cyclosporin. First, cyclosporin needs to be given for approximately four weeks before it reaches full effect. Second, the dose frequency of cyclosporin should not be reduced until the desired effect is achieved. Third, storing cyclosporin in the freezer and administering frozen reduces the risk of vomiting without affecting efficacy. Studies have shown that you can temporarily combine cyclosporin with steroids or oclocitinib if needed. However, such long-term combination therapy is not recommended. Lokivetmab, or Cytopoint, is a unique option. Lokivetmab is not a drug in the typical sense. Lokivetmab is a monoclonal antibody designed to target only IL-31. When IL-31 is bound to Lokivetmab, the pair are degraded into proteins. Lokivetmab is not eliminated via the gut or kidneys, which makes it a very safe option. In addition, according to Zoetis, there are no drug interactions to worry about with Lokivetmab. Lokivetmab targets allergy-induced itching very well. However, because Lokivetmab is only designed to block itching, it generally does not help with allergy-induced erythema, hives, or the prevention of allergic otitis. Lokivetmab can provide relief from paritis for 2 to 12 weeks, depending on the patient and whether their symptoms fluctuate throughout the year. Initially, I recommend monthly injections of Lokivetmab and then space them out further if possible. However, if your client has severe financial limitations, steroids are worth considering. Steroid side effects can be minimized by using the lowest possible dose at the longest possible dosing interval. Topical therapy and adjunct therapy are absolutely crucial when steroids have to be your core treatment. The final core therapy is allergy-specific immunotherapy. This treatment has many benefits that the other core therapies do not. For example, immunotherapy can stop allergic symptoms from worsening over time. Immunotherapy can also lessen or even eliminate the need for drug therapy, thus reducing the risk of side effects. Furthermore, there is no interaction between immunotherapy and other drugs or vaccines you might want or need to prescribe. Lastly, immunotherapy is the only treatment that can cure atopy. Despite all these benefits, the use of immunotherapy remains limited. I believe this is the result of a general misunderstanding of this treatment. So here are some key points to remember. Immunotherapy may take two to 12 months to become effective. Consider it an investment in the future. Immunotherapy needs to be tailored to each individual patient because each patient is different and each allergy season is unique. Fine-tuning the treatment definitely increases efficacy. Finally, some animals can stop therapy after a few years. However, most dogs continue to need treatment lifelong. Now that we've covered the core treatments, we can move on to topical therapy. Topical therapy was once synonymous with bathing. While bathing remains the preferred option in most situations, there are other possibilities for topical therapy. First, let's talk about why topical therapy is always important. Based on published data, we know that allergic animals suffer from a faulty epidermal barrier. This is frequently observed as dry skin, but more specifically, the proper oils needed to protect the body from invaders such as bacteria and pollen are missing or drastically reduced. Studies have shown that we can replenish these oils and rebuild the barrier. However, because the skin is constantly renewing itself, we have to constantly replenish these oils. Bathing or some other topical therapy performed at least once weekly is ideal for this purpose. The second reason why topical therapy is important is to remove microbes from the skin. Research has shown that allergic dogs carry more bacteria on their skin than healthy dogs. Think of allergic skin as being primed to develop an infection. Infection is the most common reason for breakthrough itching, itching that develops despite the core therapy. 
When infection develops, the skin barrier is further weakened, which increases allergen exposure and inflammation. Lastly, bathing specifically washes away environmental allergens like pollen. Because most allergen exposure occurs across the skin, removal is a simple way to make an impact on the dog's condition. In addition to using topical therapy to repair the skin barrier, remove pollen, and kill microbes, topical therapy can also be tailored to directly reduce itching. The two most effective topical ingredients to suppress itching are permoxine and hydrocortisone. These two ingredients can be combined with any other itch therapy and are safe to use daily. When discussing topical therapy with your clients, it is important to match the type of topical therapy to the client's ability. For example, I typically ask something like, how does your dog feel about being bathed? Or can you bathe your dog? And sometimes, will you bathe your dog? If the owner makes it clear that bathing is not feasible, then you can discuss mousse products, sprays, or wipes. Try to change your approach from a shampoo might help to topical therapy is critical for long-term success. What form of topical therapy do you think you and your dog would prefer? A last few words on encouraging topical therapy. Most of our clients have heard of and are concerned about resistant bacterial infection. They may not know what MRSA is, but they know they should be afraid of it. While dogs rarely contract MRSA infections, discussing antibiotic resistance can give your topical therapy speech more impact. After all, the biggest risk factor for developing a resistant bacterial infection is frequent use of oral antibiotics. Another talking point for topical therapy is the effects that oral antibiotics can have on the gut. We know that oral antibiotics do more than cause vomiting and diarrhea. They also have lasting effects on the GI biome. Now we can move on to adjunct therapy. The category of adjunct therapy includes two old standbys and an interesting new addition. Everyone is familiar with antihistamines, but fewer know that antihistamines and omega-3 fatty acids can act synergistically. While every veterinarian probably has their favorite antihistamine, it does seem that diphenhydramine, hydroxyzine, and cetirizine are the most helpful. Other antihistamines include loratadine, chlorpheniramine, clemastine, and fexofenadine. There is also a class of drugs that we commonly think of for other purposes that have antihistamine-like properties, including ciproheptadine, amitriptyline, and doxepin. Any antihistamine you recommend should be trialed for three to four weeks before the full benefit or lack thereof is evaluated. Another important factor to remember about antihistamines is that they are going to be more successful at preventing an allergy flare than suppressing one that is already well underway. Once the cascade of allergy inflammation is kicked off, histamine becomes a minor player. As mentioned previously, omega-3 fatty acids can work synergistically with antihistamines, so it almost always makes sense to prescribe them together. The two biggest pitfalls of omega-3 treatment are, first, prescribe a reliable product, and second, recommending an appropriate dose. Over-the-counter omega-3 supplements can vary wildly in their concentration and purity regardless of what the label says. I recommend prescribing an omega-3 supplement from one of the well-known veterinary manufacturers, such as Decra. In regards to dosing, I use a range of 50 to 100 milligrams per kilogram per day of combined EPA and DHA. Most dogs will do best if you gradually work up to that dose. The last product in this category is also the newest. Redna Ultra has been available overseas for many years but only came to the American market about two years ago. The active ingredient in Redna Ultra is ultramicronized palmitta ethanolamide, PM for short. PM has been shown to stabilize mast cells and thus reduce the release of histamine, PGD2, and TNF-alpha. 
PM also affects the homeostasis of keratinocytes and macrophages. Retinol Ultra is available as a soft chew. It is flavored with hydrolyzed soy protein to improve palatability. Because the majority of the soy protein is hydrolyzed to less than 1,000 Daltons, there is usually no negative impact on food allergy patients. These adjunct treatments are just that. You might use one or all of them in a particular patient. Remember these adjunct treatments when a client tells you that the core medication you prescribed isn't completely controlling their dog's symptoms. Now that we've discussed the treatment options, I want to give you some tips for how to use them best. The first and perhaps most important tip is to align your client's expectations. Skin and ear problems caused by allergy are the most common reason why clients change veterinary clinics. Aligning their expectations means explaining what to expect from allergies now and in the future. Very simply stated, allergies are a lifelong problem that can be managed effectively, but rarely cured. Allergy flares are common because allergen levels in the environment are beyond our control. Even a well-managed allergy patient is probably going to flare once or twice a year. Lastly, allergy symptoms almost always intensify as pets age. This could result in an increased intensity of the same symptoms, development of new symptoms, or symptoms being present for a longer period of time. When we haven't discussed allergies well with our clients, they blame us for what they perceive as treatment failure, but what is typically just the normal course of the disease. My second tip is to make sure that you find out from the owner what symptoms concern them the most. This will allow you and the client to work towards the same goal. If your primary concern is the dog's itching, but the client is focused on how bad the dog smells, you may be in trouble. It is still our job as doctors to advocate for the dog and provide the best total care. However, if you don't in some way address the owner's primary worry, then you won't have a happy client. You're probably wondering when I'm going to talk about best practices for using the drugs themselves. Well, we're almost there. But I want you all to realize that pearls of wisdom regarding which allergy treatment to use are not enough the client doesn't fully understand or accept the gravity of their dog's atopy diagnosis. Here are my top 10 reminders for utilizing the different treatments. Oclacitinib is often the most cost-effective and safest option available. Just because it doesn't provide 100% relief doesn't mean you've got the wrong diagnosis or that you have to change treatment altogether. Two, Loki Vetmab is great for stopping itching, but doesn't control other allergy symptoms like dry skin, hives, otitis, anal sacculitis, or interdigital cysts. Lokivetmab is great at what it does, but remember that its focus is very narrow. Number three, Lokivetmab can safely be combined with any other allergy treatment. Number four, cyclosporin is still a very effective and safe treatment option. This is my favorite drug treatment option for dogs with allergic otitis and interdigital cysts. Number five, Immunotherapy is a great tool if the client is ready to accept the responsibility and has the patience to follow through for at least one entire year. In a perfect world, every atopic dog would try immunotherapy. Number six, always use a topical antimicrobial with ceramides. Number seven, mild cases or dogs early in the course of disease may respond well to topical therapy combined with adjunct therapy. It is not wrong to begin with this type of treatment, but be sure to advise the client that such simple methods are not likely to work long-term. Number eight, the only products I would not combine long-term would be oclacitinib and steroids or oclacitinib and cyclosporin. Number nine, needing to combine products doesn't mean you are failing. It means the dog's allergic disease is very severe. Number 10, infection is the most common reason why a client will tell you that their dog's allergy treatment isn't working. Case number one, Micah. 
Micah is a two-and-a-half-year-old, female spade, yellow lab mix. She licks her paws and scratches at her sides mildly during the summer and fall. Micah is otherwise healthy. She doesn't experience otitis externa, and during the winter months, her symptoms resolve. This is a case where it would be fine to start with an antihistamine like Benadryl or Zyrtec, combined with an antimicrobial plus ceramide shampoo or mousse, or even retinol ultra. All of these treatments are safe to use only during the season affected, but ideally, they would be started two to four weeks ahead of the dog's allergy season. This treatment plan is very affordable for a larger dog. Discussing more aggressive treatment options is wise because Micah's symptoms will likely worsen over time. Allergy testing and immunotherapy remain an option as well. Younger animals tend to achieve the best response with immunotherapy. Case number two. Stanley is a four-year-old neutered male chocolate lab. He is itchy year-round, but licks his paws in the fall. Stanley is a good candidate for core therapy such as oclocitinib, cyclosporin, Lokivetmab, or allergy testing and immunotherapy. Weekly bathing will be helpful year-round, but very important in the fall. Daily topical therapy in the paws using a wipe or mousse will help too. Adjunct therapy with antihistamines and omega-3 fatty acids, or retinol, could be used in the fall if needed. Case number three, Bosco. Bosco is a three-year-old neutered male boxer. He is intensely pruritic year-round, but his main symptoms are recurrent otitis and pododermatitis. This is a situation where I prefer cyclosporin as my first core therapy. Topical therapy, including weekly bathing, will once again help. For Bosco, we also want to think about weekly ear cleaning and every other day paw cleaning. Adjunct therapy might be the final piece for Bosco, or you might need to add another core therapy, such as Lokivetmab or immunotherapy. Case number four, Maxwell. Maxwell is an eight-year-old neutered male English bulldog. He is pruritic year-round and suffers from otitis, pyoderma, pododermatitis, and intradigital cysts. Maxwell is covered in skin folds, which are especially itchy. For Maxwell, I would start with cyclosporin and a short course of steroids if he will tolerate them. Bulldogs are often some of the toughest allergy patients to treat, so I would not hesitate to use two core therapies long-term, such as cyclosporin and Lokivetmab. Topical therapy is incredibly beneficial for our wrinkly canines. Bathing is still very beneficial, but for frequent fold cleaning, wipes and mousse are generally easier. Adjunct therapy with antihistamines might be particularly useful if Maxwell is still itchy in the evening. Retinol Ultra would be my first choice if the owner is concerned about intermittent erythema and hives. Well, that wraps up our discussion of multimodal atopy therapy. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much, Dr. Dell, for such a practical and useful discussion of multimodal therapy for these poor atopic critters. And thank you attendees for joining us. And thank you to DECRA for sponsoring this event. If you'd like to find out more about this and other podcasts, click on the education tab on Vetfolio's portal. As always, we'd love to hear your input on this session, as well as ideas for topics you'd like to hear from us in the future. Feel free to reach out to me at dvm at vetfolio.com. You can also visit my Facebook page at Dr. Cassie DVM, and you can find me on LinkedIn. And remember, if one animal is better off because of you today, it's a great day.